Welcome to Rise Up For You, a podcast focused on helping women get to the next step in life professionally and personally. Through our six pillars, relationships, investing, self-worth, career, love, and health, we focus on the whole woman. With interviews from global experts, teachers, authors, and more, we provide you with real strategy and tips that you can start implementing today in your career, relationships, and so much more. We are all about educating and empowering you to become your best self. And now your host, Natalina. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today here on the Rise Up For You podcast. Okay, really excited about today's episode. I know I say that every time, but really, today is going to be awesome. We're going to be speaking with Ali Benenzir. He's talking with us about why good women end up in bad relationships. Okay, who's raising their hand right now and thinking, yep, this is me. So Ali has authored The Tao of Dating, The Thinking Man's Enlightened Guide to Success with Women. He's also created audio courses such as The Tao of Persuasion, The Tao of Networking, and his most recent book was The Tao of Dating, The Smart Woman's Guide to Being Absolutely Resistible. And today he's going to talk with us about the five principles behind The Tao of Dating why women end up in bad relationships, and what we can do to really find the right person. It's a really, really incredible and enlightening conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. So rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Allie, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Rise Up For You podcast. It's an honor to have you on the show. We always like to start off the show by letting the audience get to know our guest. So go ahead and tell us about yourself and what it is that you're doing. Well, my name is Dr. Ali Benazir, and a few years ago, I wrote this book called The Tao of Dating, The Smart Woman's Guide to Being Absolutely Irresistible. And the book was supposed to remedy the fact that I had all these friends who were just super fabulous women, really smart, good-looking, had everything going for them, but somehow their love life, amongst all things, weren't quite where they wanted it to be. So I thought... Being a guy, I know everything about women, right? So I decided to write a book, and it turns out, you know, it's been useful for some people. It was the highest rated dating book on Amazon for uh, four years, and then right now I'm working on kind of the expanded version of that. It's called happiness engineering, and the idea is how can we uh, be affluent and educated and do all of these things and be successful and also be happy, and how these two can uh, don't have to be necessarily mutually exclusive. Okay. So I know you kind of just touched on it in regards to, you know, having a a ton of women friends that were very successful doing well for themselves, but couldn't, you know, I guess find what they were looking for in the romantic area. Um, Is there anything else that particularly led you to this field? What, what, is there a larger journey or was it really that simple for you? Well, I was trained as a physician. And so just the whole idea of being able to help people in a way that, is lasting and and trying to give them a way of taking care of their lives just that they don't have it's not a crutch they don't have to like take a pill every day and, and they don't need me but rather just giving people the means to make better decisions for themselves uh that's that's kind of the overall program but on a more personal level I found the book very difficult to write because, well, I'm, I'm not a woman. I'm like, well, there's three billion women out there who are better qualified than me to write it. And what happened was I had this friend in New York that I went to visit, and we were all sitting uh, around at a cafe 
uh, with another friend of mine. These are all college classmates of mine, and and it comes up. Uh, the one of the one classmate says, "Hey, tell him about your boyfriend," and she kind of starts fidgeting. So, yeah, you know, he's he's really nice. They love him. Sex is great. And he's a starving artist, and he lives with me. And you know, I kind of kind of take care of a lot of his finances and stuff. Um, and I'm like, okay, that sounds fishy. Um, and then the other friend says, tell me about when your daughter fell down the stairs. Like, oh yeah, a little while back, my daughter fell down the stairs and she cracked her head open. There's blood everywhere. I'm totally distraught. I go to the hospital. I call and I say, hey, I need you here. I, you know, I need your, need, I need support. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm afraid of blood. You know, it's, it's your European accent. And, and, uh, and I realized, this is not okay. I mean, here we have this very capable woman who's supporting a man who is not willing to support her in turn. Uh, and so uh, that other friend of mine and, my, and myself, we gave her a pep talk saying, hey, look, this is not okay. You need to do something about this. So two weeks later, I get an email from her saying, thank you uh, for that. And I actually asked him to leave finally. And by the way, please don't tell my parents because if they find out, they'll kill him. But for the past 18 months that we've been dating, he's been beating me up. So now, at that moment, my heart just broke because I'm thinking, here's a smart, good-looking woman. She went to Harvard. She's got everything going for her. She has no history of bad stuff happening as a child. And yet, she was stuck in this relationship, which by any standard was not okay. I mean, it's, uh, so if it's happening to her, it must be happening to thousands upon thousands of people out there. Now, that said, it's, this is not just about getting out of a bad relationship, but also setting yourself up for success all the time and realizing that, hey, you deserve to be treated like the goddess of the universe. And getting that orientation and also getting out of the am I enough orientation towards something much more powerful, towards a power that cannot be taken away from you. Mm. Wow, that's an incredible story, and thank you for sharing that. It it resonates with me so much personally. You know, I I, I wasn't anything extreme like that, but as a professional woman who has done very well for you know for herself and spent a lot of time working on herself, it's really really difficult to you know find a relationship that's healthy or that works. You know what what insight can you give us on that? I mean, I know I know that can you can spend ten hours talking about that, but what are just some sure. general things off the top of your head that you can say? You know, these are some of the, I guess, reasons or, or some of the issues that women deal with um, that are, you know, successful, doing well, you know, beautiful, got all those cards, but just can't land a healthy relationship. Yeah, well, the top on that list is just making it a priority. And in this book that I'm researching, the one thing that I found, which is the one ironclad finding, is that your entire life and your long-term health and happiness and success, everything revolves around healthy relationships. That's it. That's, that should be the centerpiece of your life. And yet what's happening in these affluent societies is people say, oh, no, no, well, I'm going to do my career thing first, and then I'll take care of that. And whatever attention that they give to the relationship part is incidental or, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, taking time out of this much more important thing. And that's a misplaced order of priorities. Your work should be supporting your relationships, not the other way around. There is nothing more important than your relationship. And saying that, look, I'm going to put this on the back burner until, you know, I take care of this and I make, you know, VP in the corner office. 
It's like saying, oh, you know, like exhaling. I don't need to be exhaling. I'll just inhale for now. Uh, it doesn't work. So uh, that's the first thing I would urge, and I'm not quite sure how to go about reordering people's priorities, but just to plant the seed that, no, actually, this is much more important because uh, you can have all the success in the world, and if you don't have healthy relationships, you're still a pauper. Mm. So to get, and so that's, that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, there's the whole checklist mindset in terms of finding um, a boyfriend or a partner. And the websites online and the, and the dating apps and all these things feed into that too, which is that, oh, I have this notion of uh, these certain characteristics that a guy should have, and I'm going to go after that and check, 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 okay, done. But the thing is, you're, you can't marry a checklist. A checklist, a checklist is not going to keep you warm at night. A checklist is not going to support you. It's all about fit. And fit is a much more elusive thing. And fit often shows up in packages that you did not expect. And when you have an online profile or a dating app picture thrown at you with minimal data except for what this person looks like or the way they've chosen to represent themselves in that photo, then the chance of making poor decisions based on that is high. And missing that guy who is actually the gem for you, that that the probability is almost certain. Uh, so... Uh, it's so important to give this the time it requires. And courtship used to take months, if not years. I mean, this, you know, uh, my, my parents finally told me the story of how they met. And uh, it turns out that my mom was crank calling people off of newspaper ads with her friend because she was bored. And you know, they lived in a Middle Eastern country and couldn't quite mingle as easily as people do now. And so... You know, she accidentally, you know, cranked all this guy. He sounded cool. And they talked on the phone for a year before even meeting. Uh, so uh, I'm not recommending that that's the way, but I'm saying <laughs> it takes time to get to know people. Uh, and people go on one date like that. That wasn't it. But how are you ever yourself on the first date, right? And how can you expect that guy to be uh, an accurate representation of who he really is on the first date? So it's so important to... Say, okay, I'm going to meet this person at least three times. I'm going to meet this person in settings, in naturalistic settings, settings that are similar to how we would be together amongst friends, everyday activities, as opposed to some totally contrived thing like a fancy date at a fancy restaurant overlooking the ocean. How often does that happen in real life? Right? And how, how I could engage is that of who the person is. So it's so important to set things up for your own success. And the way you set up your success is by figuring out what this guy is really about. So it's a, it's not about, hey, my is my hair looking good? Hey, does my butt look good in these fans? It's about, am I asking the right questions from this guy to figure out if he's a good match? Is this person good for me? That's what should, you should be on your mind. And that also gets you out of the am I enough frame and gets you into, into the selector frame. Because women, just the way things are set up in evolution, the female homo sapiens is the selector. So you should be doing the selecting, and that's what your mind should be on. And actually, the crazy thing is, when you behave as the selector, you become more attractive because people are like, oh, I'm being evaluated. I'm being tested. They step up. So anyway, I threw a whole bunch of stuff in there. Uh, I hope that is answering your question, addressing your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I have like a, a ton more now so <laughs> just from listening to you talk. So I have three things that I jotted down here that I, I just want to kind of, you know, pull apart a little bit more. 
you know, <clears throat> the first thing is that you kind of nailed it on the head in regards to the past, right? Like we live in a different society now, but sometimes I think, wow, how easy was it in the past, even though it wasn't necessarily for love? You know, I think about my parents who are also Middle Eastern and they knew each other for two and a half months. They got married they lived happily for 38 years, you know, and that would never happen today because today we are just, I, I don't want to say needy, but like you said, there's this checklist and we require so much more where I feel like in the, in the past, it was a little bit more about just having a family, not so much is the sex amazing, like all of these things that we now think about as a society and a culture, you know, what, what is your perspective on that? Is that healthy that we are like that? Or do we need to find a middle ground? That's a fantastic question. So there's a great book that I recommend to people uh, to read. It's called The Paradox of Choice. And then I'm going to summarize it in two sentences such that you don't actually need to read it. Well, you should read it anyway because it's a great book. It's by Barry Schwartz, <laughs> a psychologist. And The Paradox of Choice is this. People think that more choice makes them happier, right? You go there and, oh, my God, you got a whole parking lot full of cars you can pick. Oh, my God, you got 120 different kinds of cereal. But if you're honest with yourself and you go into that cereal aisle, 120 different kinds of cereal is overwhelming. So the mere rendering of the choice is annoying. And then what happens is after you make the choice, you take that one box of cereal home and you're like, gosh, but what about the other one, right? Then you second guess yourself. So the paradox of choice is that more choice actually makes us more miserable, guaranteed. Mm. So the trick here is to voluntarily limit choice, not totally limited to just one thing, but to like five to 10, right? And because then the choosing is easier and then uh, the choice you've made, you're going to be happier with because you won't second guess yourself. Uh, so this means chucking all the dating apps, chucking all the, uh, all the online dating profiles, because what that does is it just increases choice effectively, infinitely. So you think you have access to all these things, but hey, that super handsome six foot three uh, guy with the six digit income, guess who else is looking at him? everybody. So the chance of you actually getting him is tiny. And besides, do you want the one guy that everybody else wants? That just sounds like hell. I mean, people think that Maladine somehow, Maladine somehow won by, by marrying George Clooney, but who wants to marry a guy when you know 15 million women would throw themselves at any moment? Right? <laughs> so it's all about fit and, and the, the, uh, the word that another psychologist coined is satisfies me. So most people in affluent societies, they're optimizing. They go online, uh, optimize your maximize. They go online, they try to find the best possible option, and then they hit, hit you know, buy on Amazon and send it to them, and boom, you're happy, right? But that's not actually what makes you happy, especially when it comes to relationships. What makes people happiest is satisfying, which is that you have a certain set of criteria in your head, right? And not too many. There's no point getting too crazy with this because then you become too selective. And you have the criteria, and then when you meet something that meets those criteria, then you say, okay, this is good enough, and then you're done. That's it. So it's, uh, an analogy would be that you go to a restaurant, and instead of reading the entire menu, you read it, and then as soon as you find a dish that you like, you just order it, and then you stop looking. And that is what actually makes people much happier. Mm. Uh, and I love that analogy. And, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 you know, go ahead and do the experiment yourself and see which one makes you happier. Go and read through the entire menu, agonize over decisions. I mean, when I go to the menu with, you know, with a girlfriend or something, 
I, they stare at the menu for like 20 something minutes. But if you do the fast spicing thing in three minutes, you're done. You'll eat your dish and you won't even know what the other things were and you'll be happy. And the whole point in the end is that happiness. Uh, so, uh, so my whole program with the books and courses and everything is to realize that the end product is happiness, is contentment. How do we get there? And how do we ignore all the distractions that the modern world was throwing at us saying, no, 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 this will actually make you happier when actually those people are not investing in your happiness at all. If you think about it, a dating site is designed to keep you unhappy because if you find someone that you like, you'll leave, you'll stop dating them. So the whole thing, the whole algorithm is designed to actually give you poor matches. Mm. Mm, that make, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I'd love to ask uh, just a, a couple more questions, you know, again, as you were talking that I, that I'd like to just touch on, um, going back a little bit to, you know, the, the world of a professional woman, I suffered from this mindset a while ago and, you know, I've moved past it, but you know, I did have this mindset of, well, all men are intimidated by me. They're just intimidated by me. Like, you know, I don't get approached by men. I think it's because I'm, you know, maybe strong in my career, right? Like we play into this mindset that, um, you know, no man is going to like us because of, of what we're doing and how, um, I guess, strong we are professionally. You know, what, what can you say to that? Like I said, I was fortunate enough to kind of move past that. And, you know, you kind of, you make yeah. your own path, you know, what you give is what you receive. But I know that there are women and a lot of my friends that still think that, that, you know, nobody likes to talk to me out of all the women in the room. I always get ignored. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, that's a fantastic question. And it's the reason why I wrote my book, because you have all these fabulous women and like, Hey, where's my guy? And you know, these two friends of mine, these are Harvard graduates. And you say that, suddenly most guys were like, oh, okay, thanks, bye. Uh, so, uh, and it's real. This that you're describing is not some figment of your imagination. It actually turns out that men are reluctant to date a woman who is taller, richer, more educated, or smarter. So that's just the way it is. And guys, they, they're programmed to be the dominant one and the the protector and and the one who brings home the bacon and all these various metaphors. And when a woman threatens that position, they don't feel comfortable. And just ask any woman who's like super tall how easy her love life is. So so that's real. That's actually happening. And it is shrinking uh, the dating pool for accomplished women like you somewhat. That said there's still infinite choice. I mean, how many guys do you need? You know, I tell people, if you follow my advice, you'll end up uh, with more partners than you can possibly handle, and that number is anything greater than zero. So one is enough, right? So there's an infinite number of super educated guys who are actually turned on by the fact that you are smart and capable and powerful and educated and all these things. Now, what's underlying all of this is... The thing that 5,000 letters that women sent me over the past 12, 13 years have in common. And, uh, and the funny thing is, all of them basically had the same question. They're all asking one question. And would you like to know what that question is? No, I've already, no, no, I've already uh, alluded to it a little bit. Yes, please. <laughs> Go for it. The, question, the, the, one, the one question is, am I enough? Mm. Uh, I met this guy, we really hit off, you know. We talked about going on a date. I even texted him. He texted back yesterday, and he hasn't texted me today. Am I enough? Um, when I was guy for three months, he disappeared. Am I enough? Um, you know, gained 10 pounds. Am I enough? 
all the stuff is the same question. Am I enough? And it's important to break out of that frame because that will, that's a question, the answer to which will never be what you want it to be. So that is just the wrong question entirely. The correct question that I would like to offer is how can I serve? How can I make this world a better place? How can I make people around me feel like a million bucks? Because nobody can ever take away the power you have to make other people feel awesome. So instead of thinking, am I enough? Now you're thinking, hey, great presentation. Love that. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Wow, really love what you've done with your outfit. Wow, you know, what a meal you cooked for us. That was fantastic. Wow, I really like how you handled that, that meeting with those people who were who seemed disgruntled. That was really still Whatever it is, right? But the point is, people are starved for genuine appreciation. And it's crazy because there's an infinite supply of it. Genuine appreciation, there's heaps and heaps and heaps that everybody's got. And yet, people are focused on themselves. They're like, am I enough? And frankly, who cares, right? It doesn't matter. And what really matters is how can you improve this whole sphere of existence of life around you with your own life, with your own brilliance. So I have that three-word summary of my book, which is be the light. Uh, because when you are the one who makes other people uh, feel fantastic and, and you become the candle lights everybody else up, guess what? You light other people up. And when you light other people up, you light up because we're hypersocial beings and we have these mirror neurons and we're you know, interconnected. So you make other people feel great, you light up. And when you light up, everybody's like, who is that glow-in-the-dark girl? I want to be around that. So you're no longer lonely. Now you have choice. And now you're coming from a place not of lack, but of abundance. You're like, wow, I feel fantastic. So uh, that just solves so many problems at once. And let's say you happen to be a strong, successful, educated woman. And here's a guy, and maybe he feels like you're slightly more educated or more successful and make more money, right? But you're like, wow, this is what you're doing. really appreciate it. It's so cool. You know, I have so much respect for what you do. He's completely forgotten about the fact that you are more X or Y or Z. Instead, he's just feeling great. Because in the end, all guys really care about is how they feel in your presence. And if you can make them feel like a million bucks, then it doesn't matter how you achieve that. They're cool with it. And they'll forget about the fact that you're five inches taller or make a hundred thousand bucks more. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. And I guess, um, it's a different way to think about things. As you said, how can you serve opposed to me, 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 which was, and we don't realize that we do it, but when we say, am I enough, it's always, you know, about ourselves opposed to how can we give and just receive. And then, um, everything will come from that. You know, is it, um, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize this, this whole idea of how can I serve. It's not being. It's not about being subservient. It's not about oh, so I'm just going to go and give everything, give, give, give to guys, sure. and not getting it to myself. And <laughs> sure. and that's once again calling into that lack mentality. The whole point is this should feel good. <laughs> this is your real power, right? When you serve, when you make other people feel great, you, when you become a catalyst to their growth. You become a force of nature. You become like water to a tree. You become the thing that lights everything up. You become the candle that lights a million other candles. That's real power, and that's power that cannot be taken away from you. So uh, if it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. But you know, uh, most people who aren't sociopaths are designed to feel good when they do this kind of thing. So uh, it may be worth trying. Absolutely. Um, I, I have a 
ton more questions that I'd love to ask you, but we'll have to invite you back because we can talk about this for hours and hours. But I just want to quickly touch on, you know, as a woman, what, you know, what works in regards to reaching out? I know you talk about, you know, how to be irresistible as a woman. And again, we'll have to have you back on to really dive into that. But, you know, is it okay to send that first text message after the date? Is it okay to initiate that you'd like to see them again? Like in a nutshell, what is that from your perspective? Okay, fantastic. It's a great question. And this is where I may actually have some real advice as opposed to generalize, fuzz, be great, be awesome. So uh, so I'm a big advocate of uh, doing things according to the way nature works. That's why it's called the Tao of dating. That's why you have you know, yin, yang, masculine, feminine. And generally speaking, the masculine does the pursuing and the feminine is pursued. And women, they basically have more feminine energy. So we're just going to say the woman... Uh, are pursued in courtship and the men do the pursuing. So what you want to do is you want to let the man do the pursuing as much as possible. At the same time, you are not a potted plant. And sometimes guys are oblivious. I mean, you know, I'm certainly guilty of that. I meet somebody at a party. I'm completely captivated. I'm like, wow, she's the greatest thing ever. I get her number. I have every intention of asking her out, doing stuff, and I forget, right? You get busy, you get 10,000 emails, other stuff happens, and... If something's not in front of you, you just, you know, it's, there's no reminder for it. So what I encourage women to do is to take control of their own destiny by priming the pump. And this is the idea of doing something that has a little bit of masculine, a little bit of yang to it, but then pulling back so that you come back into the position of being pursued. So instead of saying, hey, I want to take you to the ballet. Be ready by 7 p.m. I'll pick you <laughs> up and, and wear your best tuxedo, right? You're saying, hey, I had a great time last night. When are you, ask me, when are, when are you asking me out again? So what you're doing is you're not asking him out. You're not being the man. You're not creating the whole situation. But you're letting it be known that you would like more interaction, that you are open. So... That whole openness, that receptivity is the essence of feminine energy. So you are signaling something. So that's, that's the yang part. That's the masculine energy, right? And what you're signaling is your yin. You're signaling the feminine. You're signaling that you're open. You're signaling that you're interested. So that's how you find the pump. You're like, because guys, you know, frankly, they're a little oblivious. They're like, oh, okay, I'll be you and likes me, right? Guys need, especially in this era of Me Too, they really, really need the reassurance. They really need the reinforcement. Otherwise, they're like, well, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy who's pushing it too much. Uh, so it's so important for women to give the man unequivocal signs to proceed. So green lights, green lights, green lights all the time. And you do it once, you do it twice, you do it three times. I encourage uh, women to uh, don't, it's not a no until you actually hear a no. And it's not, he's not interested until you've tried, you've kind of tried to wake him up three times. And if three, do it three times and you don't get the answer you want, then you're free to move along because, you know, he's not interested or not paying attention. Either way, not what's going to make you happy. You want a guy who's interested and paying attention. It's not your job to, to raise him from the dead. Um, so you prime the pump and express appreciation and express unequivocal openness. And then see what happens. 
Allie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such an incredible interview. And again, we will for sure have to have you back. I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview. Can you tell us one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us? Mm, the one that I recommend to everybody because it's super short and may actually get read is the Tao Te Ching. So the Stephen Mitchell translation is the one that I, I got and the Ursula Le Guin one is also very good. And it, it's this counterintuitive philosophy of how the world works, which turns out to be totally intuitive. So you, you it's hard to describe what it, what it really is until you read it. But, you know, it's a potentially 20-minute read. So pick it up, take a look and see if it resonates with you, because that, when I read it, it kind of became the, the blueprint for my own life. Wonderful. And what's one value that you constantly stand by that's a non-negotiable throughout your journey? One value? Well, there, there are many. Uh, however, I'm a big fan of truth. So, especially in these times when there are a lot of uh, countervailing things flowing through the air and masquerading is true. I, guess I think it's important to figure out what nature actually means us to do. And through the tools of science and rationality and your own heart, uh, really find that as opposed to taking things for granted through whether it's the culture, parents, or religion. So mm. seeking out truth. And we always like to ask, if you could leave the world with one final message, we call it our golden nugget, what would that be? Golden nugget, just one. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Well, the one that comes to mind right now is that the best way to improve the world is to improve yourself. So mm. you don't have a lot of control over the rest of the world, but this little body and mind you have, that's the only place to that's one place you have maximal control. So so, uh, and start by meditating. And as you know, we're Rise Up For You. That's the company. That's the podcast. When you hear that phrase, Rise Up For You, what does that mean to you? Well, to me, that just hits at the very core of my own philosophy, which is uh, personal empowerment and, and orienting yourself towards growth, towards becoming the best possible version of you. And that best possible version of you is in the best position to, to serve the world and, and give your gift. So um, that's, if there's any discernible purpose to being on this planet, to give your gift. So rising up for you sounds like a great idea for that. <laughs> thank you. Allie, again, thank you so much for joining us. How do we stay connected? How do we support you and um, kind of get a hold of all the amazing things that you're up to? Well, um, there are two websites. So there is TaoofDating.com, that's T A O of dating.com, and that's uh, mostly the articles for women. So there's uh, letters answered, dating advice, and stuff along those lines. And then there's the happiness engineering website. So it's happinessengineering.com, and that's more about the happiness stuff. And my email, where you, I, my direct email is Dr. Ali B. That's Dr. D R A L I B at TaoUpdating.com, T A O updating.com. Awesome. Again, Ali, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Nana. That was fun. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and pass it on to your friends and family. You know, the podcast is just one way that we reach our community members. If you go to our website, www.riseupforyou.com, you will see articles written from contributors from around the world, webinars, live events for you to attend. But, you know, we also have a huge online resource center full of information that you can access absolutely free. And you know, one of my favorite sections is the Unstoppable Confidence Toolbox that's full of practices and ways to help you build confidence so that you can overcome any doubt that's consistently getting in your way. It's actually pretty cool. I mean, there's PDFs, there's articles, there's exercises, there's so much for you to take hold of and really help you get to the next step. The cool thing is, is we have programs, trainings, and live coaching calls that are happening all year long, special for our members. So if you're looking for more and you really want to connect with like-minded women like yourself, then you definitely want to check out our membership and all of the benefits that we have to offer here at Rise Up For You. And lastly, if you haven't already, we would really love to hear from you and know how we're doing. Head over to iTunes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and let us know how we're doing. Rate us, review us, so that we can be better and rise up with you. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow.